Yeah, I mean the that that's the trouble with with races abroad is 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 the food situation because because I've been sick the whole four by four journey back. <sighs> you threw up, didn't you? Yes. Oh, yes. Horrific. Yes, of course. And, and you, the tra- you what, what was the thing you were you had to place at a certain uh, within the race, didn't you? In order for you to get more money for, the yeah. charity, for, for, for Street Child, who you're running for. Yeah, it was. So I'd done all these challenges, and I, I think we're doing an episode on charity at some point. But the, they'd been an accumulator where people would pay me for each challenge I did. But quite a few guys had said, "If you do them all, I'll pay you a bonus." Or um, John John Peterson, one of my friends, he'd said, "For the first challenge, you get pounds. For the second challenge, times two. Third challenge, times three. Yeah. Times four. Times." And there were six challenges. So actually, the last two. If I'd have got them, he'd end up um, owing about, must be, what, £720? Really? Yeah, and I know he'd be good for it as well. So, I, so Street Child must have been doing everything possible to make sure that you, uh, you hit that target. Oh, well, that's <laughs> I mean, they probably lost about two or three grand just from me being so ill. Because uh, I would have I been top three, no problem, um, if I'd have just not being sick the whole oh. and the trouble was we had one bag of water for the whole journey and those bags had been transported in oh. a diesel truck because you oh. could taste the you could taste the diesel fumes in the water that was i uh, do you know what i i written that down to mention that i just how yeah drinking water that's tainted with i think it, it, they're sat on the back of um uh, motorbikes aren't they and they're yeah. driven around and the, and the part of the fumes are pumped straight onto them and you, you want the water and it just tastes foul <laughs> oh. it just you can imagine like uh, sort of a liquid diesel thing oh oh it makes me sick even thinking about it but also the toilets um the, the morning of the race when i'd so i'd been having trouble everywhere um, in in Sierra Leone, thankfully, actually, when I got back, I I didn't go down to to go and I can't remember what they were doing, seeing more school children. I just stayed in my hotel and just drank water, 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 ate pretzels, popcorn, all my usual stuff. Yeah, tried to keep it down. But the morning of the race, wow! I I knew there was a toilet. It was it was completely dark, and I thought I can't see what I'm doing, but I knew that I didn't want to see what I was doing, <laughs> and. Oh my, whoever would have come into that toilet in the day, because the people around me were in, were in similar circumstances, and you'd grip the sides as you lowered yourself down into this hole, and then, oh wow, oh, hell <laughs> break loose. Christ, all I, all I wanted to, to make sure was I didn't just shit all over my trainers. Because I thought I'd be running in these for you know, three hours, and oh... But that, that's the thing. That's why when I went to when I went to Afghanistan, for for one, we we're in this hotel, which other than this this Greek. So, what what would you say this was? It, the the ingredients are cabbage, yeah, kiwi fruit, yeah, grapes. Sorry, cabbage and kiwi fruit. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cabbage, kiwi fruit, grapes, yeah, cucumber, yeah, apple, cornflakes. <laughs> And Thousand Island dressing. Is it like a f- fruit salad of some sort? That was a Greek salad on their, rent- <laughs> on their menu. 
<laughs> that's what I didn't get. You go, you've got the bloody internet. Just, just Google Greek salad. So there wasn't a single ingredient in it that is in a Greek salad. If you're gonna go, go all in. That's <laughs> It was and it was it was quite pleasant other than Thousand Island dressing. Um, the, what about the, the cornflakes? No, they they added this certain kind of what crunch. What the cornflakes? <laughs> it was all right. That it was, sounds that sounds what when you when you try to have a fixed price menu in France and you're a vegetarian, that's basically what they give you. <laughs> they just get a, a collection of absolute nothing on a plate to give to they're, you. They're just that. freestyling all the yeah. stuff left around in the kitchen. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So, so following Sierra Leone, I had I had genuine problems for about three months where um whenever i went to track i'd have to pull out after two or three intervals toilet break and the trouble is if you're a runner and you've got a bad stomach all you do is your stomach's essentially a washing machine every time you run it's that most people think that uh, feet problems are the number one issue that makes people pull out of races and it's not it's stomach issues. It always yeah. is. But things with your bowel. It's the number one reason that people struggle in Sierra Leone. Not Sierra Leone, in uh, Marathon de Sable. People is that right? Out. Yeah, absolutely. It's not, it's not issues with their feet. It's, um, it's digestive issues. And so, yeah, and, and then also, it's because if you've ever been in a race and you see someone overtake you who's had the self-made spray tan down the back of their legs, oh man, you just, you just never want to be that person. <sighs> That is, it's you, you can you're you can you're sometimes running along, and you can smell it, and you don't know where it is. You're looking around. I mean, it, and it re, it tends to be if you're, say, you're pacing three hours, yeah, or you know something that is really on the cusp for someone, yeah. but they they they're desperate to get that time, because I think unless it's that big a deal people will just stop yeah yeah absolutely will find the toilet but if this is the one chance in your mind the one chance you've got to get that yeah it's 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 the people who've got to make that choice of that they're going for the sub three or qualifying for boston or good for age and it's a hard decision to make you know, are you going to stop or this is potentially your one chance to make it i mean i, I think i'd always bow to vanity and, and sacrifice that, yeah. that goal. But it's, it's a hard one. That is a hard one. That's a hard one. But, but that's, a, that's one of these, these things that you... Normally, you can control so much at a, yeah. at a marathon, you know, in a, in a European country or in America or, or somewhere like that, and it just, it's a different kettle of fish. Because you can't... It's not as if you can go out there a few weeks before, get used to it, you know, get your situation in. You're normally flying in a day before the race or, yeah. you know, with, with a lot of these, day before the race or something. And, you know, there's, no, there's nothing your body can do about it. If you're going to react badly, you're going to react badly to it. So, and there's, there's so many things that you never know what it is. Is it that they've washed the salad in, in water that's not been, been cleaned? Or oh. because you've shaken hands with someone who's, who's, not as, um, who's, who's not washed their hands recently? Or because you've just got some dodgy meat? Or you've brushed your teeth with bad water? Or... And there's so many factors that can... Yeah, and that's it. And you just can't control anything. And it's very... It's, yeah, it's incredibly difficult, especially when you're... Especially when you go somewhere that... Um, it, like it is, like Sierra Leone. It's like it's a third world country. And it's it's difficult to to be that selfish about, you know, what yeah. it is that you need. 
Because you think, yeah. oh, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not running the, you know, this isn't the Olympics or something. This is, yeah. this is me doing something. Because you know, you're going there for a specific reason. You've got to be somewhat people that people that tend to be running something like the Syrian Marathon are, you know, probably more a bit more aware, a bit more conscious about what it is that they're giving to. Because you know, it's a big commitment, and it's a yeah. big, you know. And it's uh, it's not actually a big commitment in terms of money you have to raise, but it's a big commitment in terms of your time and and, and the experience. And mm. so, yeah, so it's it, it's I just think it's difficult to argue for yeah. you know to, to demand that those circumstances be such that you know you don't have those problems. You just can't control it, and that's the and it's that lack of control is that yeah. is what you really have to really have to learn it's like it's it's actually not like preparing for a marathon it's like going traveling isn't it it's like going yeah. traveling um with like independent traveling with a race thrown in there and that's how you have to view it to to, to for someone if you've run city marathons before and done 10k racing thing where it's hugely organized you can control it You're, it's gonna be a massive shock yeah that if you then go and do something like sierra leone i mean even even like marathon de sable to an extent is not really in the same category because the you know um, um, the organisation of it uh, of Marathon des Sables is completely French. It's run by the French. You know they they bring all the food over with them. They it's it's cooked by the French. It's, you know in the first few days and everything. All the organisations done in that way, and it feels as like you know you have a little piece of Europe moving around with you. Yeah, <laughs> almost. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's it's different. Yeah, you know, when you when you do something like this. But even even when you do prepare, I mean, I, I did have all my food because I'd learned my lesson. But then the day before, the day before the marathon, I think it must have been a kebab or something. We, we'd met with the locals. We'd gone out for a dinner. It was yeah. really nice. People had come from Kabul for the marathon. Yeah. We'd done this, a new, I think it's when your guard's down. Uh, there's nothing I could have done. You know, there was, and maybe it wasn't even the kebab. I have no idea. But um, myself and Virginie, who was there as well, I then spent, the whole of the day before, um, not 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 able to eat anything. Right. Not able to leave the hotel room, and then the morning of the marathon, I, I just didn't want to do it. Oh, didn't you? Not at all. Didn't want to do it in any way. I drank so much liquid. I, I've got a photo somewhere of probably around twelve, thirteen bottles of water. Yeah. That I'd just been desperately trying to chug, and I still, I the morning of the marathon, I still couldn't eat anything, and um, I knew, I knew it was going to be hell, but I knew that I was, it was one of my challenges for my my set of challenges for this for this uh, leading up to the marathon of Sabla. So if I don't do it, street child lose money. Yeah, and that's the worst thing when you the most most times you're in. A really extreme circumstance. The chances are you're doing it, yeah, for, for charity. Yeah, and but that's—I mean—that's good because the, sometimes you just wouldn't put yourself through that situation. It's just so easy. Yeah. I suppose once you're there, it's difficult. The um, that was the one thing that kept me kept me going through the the whole Sierra Leone experience. The fact that it mm. was for it was for a charity. I mean, you know, it would. Let's just say my race report would have been very different if there wasn't a uh, <laughs> a really good cause behind it. Um, Although the race, the race itself, I thought was, the I thought was great. Was I mean, great. I the race was great. Yeah. Uh, the, the, no, wait a minute, but let's let's think. Like the the race, the the race meeting the night nice, the night before with the race briefing. That was that was something really special uh. because that was no one had any idea what the race route was. I'm not yeah. saying the organizer did, and and I it's like I it feels like it sounds like I'm exaggerating, but they said. 
there is a map of the race going around, being passed around. <laughs> Someone so, that's has... not helpful at all because I don't know where we are. <laughs> I don't know the it's not like it's turn that was, right in that the was, A4. That was the first one of the street sites. Uh, that was the first. Uh, what, do you know what? It, it would have actually been better if they hadn't have had that that sort of uh, race briefing the night before. Because it actually, yeah. it, it, instead of instilling with you co- with confidence, it just it made you worry about the whole thing. It, yeah. It always the second thing was when they announced it. Well, it must have been eight or nine o'clock. We were, they seemed to be sitting there for absolutely ages before they got around to doing the race briefing. Well, they didn't want to do the race briefing until the Champions League final had finished, and because the it was in the clubhouse that 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 raises money for Street Child, and there were some people watching it. But part of me was thinking. Well, we've all come to Sierra Leone <laughs> for the marathon. We need to go to bed because we're getting up. It was, we didn't it was, know when we were getting up at that stage. They no, had told no, us. No, absolutely. And so, and so yeah, they, they go, okay, it must have been nine o'clock before they started this thing. I said, okay, first things first, there's no electrolytes on the course. There's no sport drinks on the course, so you've got to bring your own. <laughs> and what are you thinking at nine o'clock in McKenney? <laughs> just what are we supposed to do with that information we no i i need like a lot of sports drinks i yeah. you know i just need a lot i i get i get dehydrated really quickly and we're talking about 95 percent humidity um and i was like what there's just nothing on it and i didn't expect there was going to be a lot or something but you know it just we have to be, been told there'd be food but you have been that, told there was food but, yeah. but there wasn't food either was there <laughs> it's just water. There was water on the course. Okay, so the, okay, that's fine. Okay, some nice diesel flavored water on the course. <laughs> that, that'll be lovely. But then the second thing they told us, and bearing in mind it was like getting on ten here. Was it the race started at five o'clock and we had to be up at four to get there? Yeah, that was. And it was just like, what? Why are we still here then? Why yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I, I'm sure it's, it's very different now, but it was, it was a classic. Um, I mean, that, that was what was good about Afghanistan. It was organised by this guy, James Bingham. He, he, he does the Ring of Fire, an ultra race yeah, around Anglesey. Yeah. And you know someone who, it's a pretty big race, you know if someone's a race organiser for an ultra marathon, they are going to be good at organising races because if you screw up an ultra, people are dying. Yeah, and uh, but the worst street child was organised, and actually, I'd I'd um, when I volunteered to to help out, I ended up doing the some of the PR, some of the marketing, some of the kind of the sales, social media stuff like that. I some I'd of the gone, race organising, some of the money raising. Something. Well, no, I, I wish I had done the race organising because I was the only one who actually knew, knew <laughs> well, about run a race. Yeah, well, knew about marathons. But you could tell, you absolutely, you could tell. And when you, once you found that out, and um, and this isn't a particular criticism of like Street Child and anything, this is, but this is true for, for other charities that try to organise races. Yeah. You, you really do need someone who has run a race before to know what it is that runners need when they, yeah. you know, in, ter- in terms of like the expectations that they have and being able to at least get enough sleep for a marathon. <laughs> But actually, I just remember one bit where they, they so I mean, the race itself I thought was incredible. It was I, I great. started it. It was brilliant. Beautiful. The, I mean, the, the, my favourite bit was when we, you just heard this noise and you were coming down this, this hill and you suddenly realised that it was an entire field of, of bullfrogs chirping away. 
um, just to the side, and you're like, oh wow, that's because I I I've seen bullfrogs in cartoons. I don't actually know what one looks like or one sounds like. So that was amazing. Suddenly, so like, oh, that must be a bullfrog. Wow, this is incredible. Um, but yeah, the I, I started off. I was I was I was still in my head thinking, I've had a yeah. I've, everything's out of my system now. But I have eaten some food. I reckon I could still do a sub three out here. Um, within two miles, I was looking at my watch, thinking this is feeling pacey, uh, which is not a good sign. It normally takes me about sixteen miles to start to tire, um, if at all. Sometimes you know, sometimes it hits you at eighteen to twenty. Um, four miles in. I was walking, and that's when you're. I mean, that's when you're scared. <laughs> I was amazed. I was amazed how quickly everyone went off at the start. It was. Yeah. It was. Uh, I was like, my God, you know, this. Just standing there at whatever it was, five in the morning, felt it felt pretty warm, and everyone yeah. just flew off just at the start. I was just like, wow, you know, we're this is. This is uh, this is good stuff, and I think I, I was I sort of flew off as well, and you know, the humidity started to hit, and yeah. you think you know it, it felt it was quite flat at the start. It was it was generally flat, wasn't it? It was yeah um, yeah. But that there then when the after a while when that humidity sort of gets to you and um, yeah, it was uh, the race. Yeah, you know, like you said, the race itself. I mean, like you say, what's the point of showing us what the course was? Because we, you, you know, you, you wouldn't have any indication. I had some particular. I got, I got about halfway, and then I started running um, with a girl called um, Cecily, mm. and uh, and together we seemed to have just have these like brilliant moments. Like there was one moment where because you run through lots of villages, and so uh, you, 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 it's pretty, it's pretty well supported at the start. I mean, like the, yeah. the president of Sierra Leone came out, yeah. and you know, it was a big deal. This is you know a really big deal for them. And um, you know, people were lining it all at the you know all the starts and stuff, and you're going through the villages, and of course they're all supporting you, and it's a mixture. You know, when you're running past, it, it's that mixture of them, you know, people being like happy and clapping because they're seeing people, and also being completely confused as to what what, yeah. what what the hell you're doing. But yeah, one of the, my one of my favourite moments when we were running um, down the side of a field, and all these kids who were like like ploughing this field decided to start running with us. And they're running like next to us with this like huge axes and stuff. And just, so we're like, they're going to cut our legs off. They're going to cut our legs off, which is which is hilarious. Then we got to a point where I thought to myself, I could re- I'd absolutely, I would kill for a can of Coke right now. Yeah. And as if like the law of attraction worked or some mystic shit like that, the next checkpoint we went to, some bloke goes, "Do you like a can of Coke?" And it was really? just, yeah. I got a can of Coke on the on the course. Who was who was the guy that I gave it to you? It was it was a, definitely a street child um, person, and and they were brilliant, weren't they? I mean, like they were kept driving yeah. up and down. They made, everyone made sure they had enough water, yeah. and stuff as yeah. well. One of the other bits was just brilliant, really memorable. Was when we were running in and with Cecily, I, we decided we were going to do a like sort of like a, a final approach, but do it in a funny way. Like so, we were testing out different things we could do. Whether we were going to, you know, do it in a uh, Morecambe and Wise style, sort of like "Give Me Sunshine" type thing, or yeah. something like, and we decided to um, try out going in as, uh, you know, doing the aeroplane thing, 
like yeah, flying into the finish. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's what we went for in the end. But we were testing it, we were practicing it on the outskirts of McKenney going back in, and we got this massive group of kids following <laughs> us with it. I just, I absolutely wish that I'd had enough power in my phone to be able to uh, to photograph it because it was hilarious. It was absolutely <laughs> brilliant. It was just, it was so good. I mean, I remember I have such good memories of it. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it see you know it was really well supported as well, especially we came into that final bit. Better supported than the last time I ran the Paris Marathon, I'd, I'd even suggest. But then you know, it, right at the finish as well, you know, those 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 elements just confound you. Where you know they run out of medals. Well, I still don't know my place or my time. <laughs> I think There's someone I think, there with a piece of paper, but I have no idea what happened. It's a general approximation. So yeah, get to the end. Yeah, don't really know what's going on or anything else like that. But yeah, it was because in, in in Afghanistan the the race itself was very well organised. Yeah, uh, you know they had really good fuel station. It was all on the road, was it? Yeah, they they had originally they were going to do trail, and the 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 intention was to finish by these 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 Buddhas. If you buy your laptop, just Google Bamyan B A M Y A N and, and Buddhas, and you'll you'll see just how crazy this place is. Amazing. And but because of the the bombings and the fact they'd taken, I think Tikrit is possibly the name of the city in the north. The, yeah. the, um, the Taliban had taken it. They didn't really want to have a, this really high profile event. It was it was meant to finish in in by the Buddhas in Bamyan. Yeah. But because they didn't want to have this this visible target that would be very obvious that we were going there um, for people to to then potentially create an incident. Um, we ended. They ended up moving it, and just thought it was safer and easier to to put it along the road. Yeah. Um, which was, I mean, it, the, the the journey itself actually it was. You're going through towns the whole time. It's yeah. it's such a an amazing location. The 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 running on the roads not my ideal, but actually you still get you get to see a lot. But the beginning of it was incredible. I mean, I felt like hell, and the worst thing was seeing people's reaction to seeing how I looked. That's when I knew that I looked bad. <laughs> it's when people look at you and they, they're like, oh, my God. Like, oh, how, how, how are you, David? Because I just felt awful. I hadn't eaten anything for 36 hours um, whatsoever. <clears throat> and so but all the locals were there. And... Sierra Leone, there were some really good runners. There was Idris, who was, I think he's he's he's, he's run the London Marathon. He's run the New York Marathon now. Yeah, great great athlete. People were there who were athletes. They were doing the five k. Um, they there were sports. The, the local it was the championships of Sierra Leone. This was the very first marathon, international marathon they'd done in Afghanistan. So the people who were lining up were all the locals, full of bravado wearing clothes that looked like they were going to the market. And the excitement was incredible. They were, they were jumping up and down. Um, the, the local governor was, was there. and So he started it off, and it is the fastest start to any race I've ever seen. They, um, I was about 200 metres down within about 400 metres. They were going that quickly. And at about... 800 meters in one guy was was bent over double breathing for air because he was so <laughs> ruined by a star and i was trying not to laugh because i thought it's not funny this you know this guy's idea because they, 
I just didn't have a concept of what 26 miles was. But I just thought, wow, this guy is going to be in pain. Um, and some of them running 10Ks, but the vast majority of them were, were intending on running the marathon. And three miles in, so Keith, he was the he was a ultra runner, he was a really good runner. He just sauntered through, took off you know, one by miles at a jog. I, um, even despite having had no food and like that, I was in second for, for quite a while until I needed a pit stop. And then I found this rock and I looked up, it had shorts, well, even it was trousers because you had to cover yourself up to run because yeah. of the local culture. Um, I looked up mid-relieving um, and the head of the police was in this van with this huge gun, all his arm guys laughing and laughing and laughing at me, just uh, stuck behind this rock, clearly in tr- in, in trouble. Um, so, okay, thanks for that, mate. Um, I got everything by a couple of of the Afghans um, locals, and we then went up to this hill where they they really were struggling on the hills. I, I think they were they were tired anyway. Yeah. So I was starting to catch them up, and this this motorbike turns up. One of them jumps on the back of the motorbike, just disappears. <laughs> so like, and um, and then the the guy who's in third place of, of the three, uh, this is, there's two of them left. This other bike comes up and he's looking back at me, and he's clearly there going, "Okay, he he's seen us. I know this is cheating. There's this white dude behind me. He's he's grinning, but he's clearly giving a look of like you cheeky little bastard, you." Um, so he doesn't take the bike. Um, I then overtake them, and I come up to the next checkpoint. And the, I mean, the checkpoints are great. You had, they had um, watermelon and bananas. They they had cake from the local, uh, the the local ladies' cafe had, had cooked this cake. Um, so actually, the, I mean, I couldn't eat any of it, unfortunately. Um, but I had some of those isotonic tabs, and yeah. um, and I was I was, I I'd got through probably one pack of shot blocks the whole race um but i got through them and i said david what what position do you think you're in like well (laughs) i mean officially i'm i'm definitely in second like okay well we've won what we've banned one guy um, (laughs) and he was saying where's the proof that that i've cheated they said well you're currently ahead of world record pace I guess that's the trouble. If you're on a motorbike, it's quite hard to actually gather what pace you should be doing if you're a good runner. Um, so, so, um, but there was there was also someone else had had, had evidently jumped on a bike and was ahead. So, um, but I, I, I mean, I was finding it quite funny. I, I, I had to podium for for my challenge, and I thought I, I should be okay to podium. Ten miles in. I was really, really struggling. I, I, I felt physically like I'd hit the wall. Yeah. I could just run out of energy. And um, so by half, by halfway, I came through, and th- thankfully they, they had some electrolytes as well, which was uh, brilliant. They'd, they'd radiate ahead. I think they'd, one of the James had told the other James, like, that looks like hell. Um, <laughs> it's good that you get that personalised treatment. Yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. And but I mean, each, each checkpoint, you'd have this armed escort of um, of the local soldiers with these huge, oh. huge rifles. I think you, there were some pictures of that, weren't there? On because um, yeah. this has been featured in it was in the Daily Mail. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and there were pictures of that. Yeah, of the checkpoint with with the armed guard on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I mean, you're you're running through this beautiful landscape, and it it feels quite surreal, uh, quite serene. And you then might have to try and overtake a this huge herd of uh, of sh- of of goats. Yeah, is it, is it a herd of goats? I have no idea. Probably not. Um, or you'd have to try and run through them, or you'd just be forced off the road by how do you how do you, how do you cope with goats um i how mean i'm you... fine with them what do you expect me to do with them um, i don't tend to freak out too much uh, how are you with goats well no i just think uh, you know well with cows you know when you like you go through a field of cows you know you you, know, you have to be quite slow don't you you can't, <laughs> you can't just bolt through them because the yeah and the scattering all sort of thing and um, and horses are the same, but are goats, you know, are they wily in a, in a way that they they I seem to right, deal actually. with pigs either or or anything else like that. If you write write in, listeners, if you know how to deal with different groups of different animals, I did, I actually pitched that as a uh, as a feature idea. Uh, really, I did. I pitched it as a feature idea for like for trail runners because. There's certain things you don't, you know, what happens when you get to a, a, a field and, you know, when there's like hundreds there's of cows just to, yeah. like right by the stile, what's the, what, how do you deal with it? What's the best way to do it? But if ask a farmer of the best way to, to, to not freak them out and something, I thought that was, that's quite a good idea, isn't it? The questions that, that you, you'd want to ask. Yeah. I mean, the horses as well. Are yeah. you, and um... It's just, eti- it's, 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 it's good, like running etiquette. But it's also like how to how to help you survive. I think that, that's a good feature, don't you think? Yeah, that's I like it. I know. What, that's so. Let's do it on this podcast. We need to find out how to cope with various trail agricultural yeah, situations. So, so cows, horses, sheep. Sheep's fine, aren't they? They, Sheep, they yeah, to... they're generally fine. They're they're just scared, aren't they? That's the. That's the thing. Yeah. A bull. How do you do with a bull? How do you know? Oh. I've been I've been chased by a dog while running before. Oh, that happens all the time, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, like a big Dalmatian. I was looking at thinking. Yeah. What's the what? How do you actually? How do you stop a dog from like annoying you? There must yeah. be there must be a do- some dog trainer must be able to tell us how to. I know. Uh, I know. Sticking your finger up up some <laughs> things bum. <laughs> I know that's something. That's definitely something. It, is is it, def- just, it might be stopping a shark bite you. Biting you. <laughs> it's, it's, we're going back to fighting a bear. Yeah. <laughs> if, you're try, if you're fighting a bear on the Western States 100, stick your finger up its ass. It, they absolutely love it. But I, don't know if I, I don't know if I've just got this in my head now from that episode of South Park where Steve Irwin, he just goes up to these really dangerous animals and shoves his finger up their bum for no apparent reason. I don't know if... But I'm sure... Maybe it's a snapper turtle. Okay, people. People who've got experience of shoving what animals? fingers what an- up animals' bums. Yeah, what animals? Let us know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you that's how they used to divide animals before they had all the different like uh taxonomies and stuff it was animals that like having uh you could calm down by putting your finger up its ass and ones that would never calm down that actually made more angry by putting a finger up its ass did you know i've, I've actually given a talk on taxidermy before 
genuine talk. Well, not genuine. So, well, yeah. yeah. So ta- you've got to do taxidermy because it sounds a bit like taxonomy. Well, the oh, what's taxidermy then? Total taxidermy stuffing stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I wasn't talking about taxidermy. Oh, I, well, I was. I just thought of stuffing things, putting stuffing it with your fingers. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, no, oh, I, okay, I was okay. at um, I was at wilderness festival. I was at wilderness festival this year. Yeah, and we'd been preloading quite heavily in the in uh, by a tent, so we went in and not a huge amount was happening. So I found this tent in the middle of it all, and I thought, what's in this tent? We go in there. There's all these amazing stuffed animals. So I, I'm there standing uh, at the front, and all these people suddenly come in. I think, oh Christ. They think something's going on, so I started talking, giving this talk about taxidermy. And um, so they all, they all sat down as if this was a genuine talk. And I thought, oh, God, I'm committed to this talk now. <laughs> so I then just started, started spouting some absolute crap. So I was, I was saying how the difficult thing with taxidermy is once you decide what animal you want to stuff, you've got to start tracking its normal paths so that you can then time it so you just clip it with the edge of the car to um because it because of um road what are they called roadkill road rules roadkill yeah. rules and um so that was my the first part of the talk and while I was giving this talk this guy walked in looking confused and he laughed and then he sat down and it turned out it was his tent but rather than kind of stopping it he thought I'm just gonna see how this plays out so I then I then proceeded to to explain how. When, you, when you're trying to figure out if an animal's ripe for stuffing, you've just got to stuff it slightly with the tip <laughs> just to see, <laughs> see how it responds. And, uh, and that's how you know when it's ready. Um, but anyway, that's a, that's, that's a, uh, a segue. segue. Um, it's not a segue, it's a tangent. It's not a segue. <laughs> it's just complete. Segue is the opposite. Segway. Yes. <laughs> exactly. How do you seg from... Oh, no, no, this would be amazing if you can find a way of segging from... Um, a, a talk on taxidermy to the finish of the Afghanistan marathon. So, <laughs> this is where we need the, the power of editing to make this like two hour pause <laughs> seem like an instant response to me. <laughs> so, it was the, uh, the tale of the moral of the, 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 the marathon was like the tortoise and the hare. Right. That's their animals. Oh, you might stuff not, them. That's not very good. It's not great. No, it's not. I was on the spot though, but um, but yeah. So so I I, I ended up completely bonking at fourteen miles or so, and the first half took me maybe one hour forty five. Yeah. The second half took me two hours forty five. Really. Which is a an impressively slow marathon time uh, for a half marathon. Jeez. So um. But the trouble was, I kind of, I found my feet after about 22 miles and started running again. And I kept on overtaking the locals. Like, more and more of them. Like, how many of them have been on bikes? <laughs> well, you haven't said they didn't, they'd never passed you. They never passed me. That's, and, and I caught this one guy. So there's this one guy who'd, who'd legitimately overtaken me. And I thought, this guy might actually be the first, um, the first proper... Uh, Afghan did not cheat, so I then caught up with him. Caught up with him, was like, "Oh, great! So this is this means I'm in third now. I'm happy. 
um, I'm Iconpodium, and I, 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 I kind of tried to give this magnanimous speech to him, like, yeah, yeah, you're amazing, and let's run this together, we're going to run it, because he was hobbling with his car, so I'd, I'd done some stretches with him, kind of helped him out, like, yeah, let's do this together, together, and I did that for about two miles, and then I saw two more Afghani guys, Afghan guys in the distance, so I'm like, oh, crap, I'm in at least fifth now, so... All of this, like, together, together, like, it must be a different bloke. So, gee, buddy. And I kind of did that because I was pretty sure he didn't actually know what I'd been saying anyway. Um, but I think I ended up in sixth. I don't even know. I've no idea. But the trouble was, if they were to actually ban the people who cheated, because they knew the people who cheated, they, they'd essentially have to ban all the locals to get a purely white guy podium, <laughs> yeah. which you can obviously never do. So they, they ended up just the first guy they, they, they did for cheating and then the rest, they, they just, <laughs> everyone just pretended that no one had been cheating. We just, we just looked the other way, yeah. uh, which, you know, I was fine with because you, you want to encourage people. You don't want there to be... <laughs> politics and and actually it would have caused a real real big ruckus because even if people knew they cheated and they cheated for them to have had admitted that they cheated in front of all the other villagers and uh, the 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 local um the the local governor yeah it would have all hell would have broken loose yeah yeah but uh, I mean, that's but that's I think it's experience like that is why you go no, to exactly. these crazy races. Exactly. The whole thing about it is that when stuff goes wrong, it's just as interesting when stuff goes right. It's just you have to. It's just your mindset has to be completely different from yeah. a normal race. That you know, it's gonna. It, you're not gonna control these things, but you're gonna get all this uh, additional, all these additional experiences. You're going to meet some incredible people, none of whom can speak your language and you can't speak theirs. So <laughs> you don't really interact with them a huge amount, although you try. And although you, you think you have, you think you've, you've got the message through to them. <laughs> However you've tried to communicate with them, you're convinced at the end of it, yeah, yeah, we're buddies, yeah, he knows what I'm on about. He, he knows about, you know, when I was explaining the gel strategy. For, uh, yeah, he's, he's with me on that completely. When you finished the race, were there, what was it like when you were like sort of relaxed and stuff? Because in Sierra Leone, we had that. I mean, the thing about Sierra Leone is that it's, it, it used to be a a really, uh, you know, not not affluent, but there were parts of it that were high end before the yeah. before Civil War came. And we had the pleasure of visiting a beach, enjoying a few days on the beach, where everyone, everyone else went back to uh, McKinney, we stayed on the beach, in just what was absolutely stunning setting. Yeah, it's where the bounty advert was filmed. That's it, the bounty advert was filmed there. Uh, the, the best part was it, when we were driving down to get to it, there were these lorries coming back up the other way, um, you know, huge, huge lorries, like, flying past, and it turns out they were stealing sand off the beach, that the beach was actually yeah. much, much bigger, but they were stealing sand. I mean, that's the, that's the sort of level of poverty there, but yeah, we stayed in uh, we stayed in that accommodation. That was just beautiful. I think I think that's actually part of the whole uh, Sierra Leone experience now. I think oh, they might they yeah. might add that on. It should be because it's yeah, it was great. It, that was really a really good ending to it. I think I've still got sunburned from it actually. And I, so, I think as well, we we probably needed that yeah that opportunity to just relax because you, you did feel on edge the whole time, and um, you you never knew what was going on, and and. 
you'd you'd be just sat in a bus for three hours, and no one would tell you why, <laughs> and and no one would tell you when you're leaving. No, I mean a lot of the time, a lot of the time. The thing is, this is that's typical Africa. You know, things, yeah. when things work on Africa time. You, I remember when when overlanding in Africa, and you know, having having worked in London, and then going to somewhere like you know, uh, was it Botswana or, or whatever. And yeah, this is going to take twenty minutes, and three hours later, you're still waiting for it. Or you know, yeah. they'll say, "Oh yeah, the, the the car will turn up at nine o'clock," and at like quarter to quarter to twelve, it rocks up. It's just being it's being used to that, and after a while, you get used yeah. to it. But if again, if you're not, if you don't, if you have expectations that things are going to run as smoothly, it doesn't really work like that. We had that we had that amazing time as well, where we seemed to start. This was just before. I think this was one of the lowest points actually. And it was just before we were going to uh, go to the beach, which sort of finished off the whole thing beautifully. It's when we stood in a, what can only be described as a warehouse with a hole in it, while it rained. Yeah. We, were, we were in that warehouse for what must have been four hours. And I still have absolutely no idea why. Yeah, I mean, I, that, I was, that, <laughs> what was the, they planned, I think, a beach party. But they hadn't come up with a contingency. What happens if it's absolutely shitting it down? And so they decided to put us in a, a a building with no roof as a solution to the rain for some reason. Um, which we were so tired and just to be honest, we were just we were just the reason why we went to this hotel, uh, the beach hotel, is we just thought we want to be able, we want to be in control of what we're doing. That's all we ask. And if we're in this hotel, we can just sit on the beach and nothing bad's going to happen. We're not going to have to wait on this. We're not going to be told, like, lacking information here. Um, but the, the, what, what I found really depressing was when we, they, they had the food and then seeing the kids go through the bins afterwards. Oh, yeah. And you, you, uh, it's, you when you're so tired, and you've you've spent so much emotional energy on on the country, and then to see that, and you're like, oh god, we're such dicks. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. really heartbreaking. Yeah, no, but that's but the, well, we we talk we're going to talk about the the other side of this um, in the in the charity episode when we do it. Yeah, because. There's a flip side to this, and that's that's all the sort of incredible work that's been done around it, and and yeah. the money raising, and you know, in somewhere like Afghanistan, I imagine you know, it's not really with that, it's not really about the money, the symbolic nature of that. I mean, because when when a marathon comes somewhere, it's a big deal. Yeah, it's a really big deal because they know that they attract. If you attract people internationally, it puts you on the map. You know, sport people say, "Oh, sport doesn't matter." In, you know, in, in terms of politics and stuff like that. But what what it means when you see those pictures of of the women running in Afghanistan, that's huge. That's absolutely yeah. huge. Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible. The there's only one lady who who ran the actual marathon. The others did the 10K. But the, the, the girls doing the 10K, there were school children yeah. who were doing it. And they loved it. They loved running. But Zainab, yes, yeah, she did the whole marathon. And I don't even know how she'd train for it because I don't know if she'd be allowed to train. Or I mean, I, I, I'm ignorant to it rather than to, to the situation. But um, just having... I, I, th- I think in places where... 
the suppression of women yeah. or where there's areas of conflict. It's just people just need hope. Yeah. And it's so important to have a figurehead um, or just to have something that challenges the belief system. Yeah. And to have her run the math and, and to, to show um, Af- Afghan women, look, this woman's gone out and run a whole bloody marathon. It's like unbelievable. And you, you, I, I still don't really understand the impact that's going to have and the repercussions, good and potentially bad. Um, but for, you know, the, the area is beautiful. Well, the people are amazing. Well, and, that's the other thing, isn't it? Having like about these marathons, it brings people to that. Who would wouldn't otherwise go there? I mean, how many people yeah. would travel to to McKenney in in Sierra Leone yeah. for for any other reason than to run a marathon? How many people would go to you know, like Beirut had a terrible reputation. Beirut used to be incredible before they had all the trouble there, um, but more people go to Beirut now as a result of you know the marathon. You know, having yeah. a marathon there it shows that there's some sort of stability or there's some sort of you know they're, they're trying to you know expand the amount of people who are experiencing the culture there and experiencing the place. And the, it shows that, you know, it's almost like you're open for business and you're open to the world and you're going to have people who are going to come back and say incredible things about your country. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that the difficulty for Afghanistan is that un- until the security situation changes significantly, which I, from my very narrow um, experience of it, I, I can't see happening for a number of years, they almost can't have a large international yeah. um, marathon. They can certainly get the expats coming out from Kabul, but it, it would be great to have it as a very, very large local marathon. But as soon as people are coming from abroad, then it becomes a very attractive target to yeah, anyone. Yeah, no, that's gun. it. That's it, isn't it? Now, now that you know, it's been done once... Yeah, it makes it it makes it a target. I was looking at these pictures of the the Bamiyan thing. Are these the Buddhas that they blew up? The Taliban yeah. blew up. Oh man, yeah. yeah, they're famous, aren't they, for being blown up? Biggest Buddhas, um, freestanding Buddhas in the world. Wow. Well, that was the amazing thing about Bamiyan. The for one thing that surprised me, the locals all look um, more Mongolian than yeah. what I'd stereotypically think of as an Af- Afghan, um, and also they used to be Buddhists. The whole area is Buddhist um, until Genghis Khan killed, uh, came in and killed everyone. He just destroyed the um, Buddhist's religion. Buddhism is a religion in that region. And then the, I think there was the story of a uh, hundred troops or a thousand troops came in, and it's the the people who are there now are all descendants of um, of Genghis Khan. Yeah, isn't Genghis Khan? Isn't there a weird fact about Genghis Khan? Like one-eighth of the population of the world can be traced back to him or something. Just yeah. it's like something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's the thing, that the, the history of the region. And, and the, if, you, if you look up, um, I can't remember the name of it now, they've got these incredible lakes about 30 miles out from Bamiyan that are the most blue lakes I've ever seen. They, they look as if they're... Um, Great Barrier Reef or oh, something. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at those pictures now. Yeah, and we, we took some photos, staged some photos um, for Runners World and for other running magazines, and it does 
it it looks too perfect to be true. Yeah, it's really unusual. It looks really it looks incredible. Yeah, I mean it was it was amazing that that area. Um so and then they've got what's that? I say staging photos. That was that was a funny thing about Sierra Leone. You think, you know, one of the main things you have to make sure is that when you invite journalists along and you want your race to be covered so that it's covered in the racing press, maybe having someone f- taking photographs of the race might be quite a good idea because you yeah. think, well, you know, it's going it, to it's going to be impossible to actually produce a feature without the photographer or at least tell them you don't have photographers on the case so that something yeah. could be arranged. So uh, when the when the feature that I wrote for Men's Running eventually appeared, whose photographs were in there? They were oh, yours. Oh, were they mine? <laughs> yeah, they were your photos. <laughs> oh, right, that's right, yeah. yeah. And they were terrible as well. They <laughs> were terrible. <laughs> yeah. They were just kind of snappy snaps of my mates. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, pictures of your mates. Pictures of, yeah. There was, I think it was one picture of me in there or something. Oh, it was just... It's a real shame. I think it really undersold the, the, the beauty of it because they didn't bother doing the photographs. But I see that the photographs you got from uh, from Castle are incredible. Oh, I mean, I mean, they're amazing. Partly because um, the guy Keith is going. He's he's not. He, I can't remember if he is a travel photographer or he he just he'd like to be a tra- travel photographer. But he was great. Um, in fact, everyone there apart from myself had a really good camera. And we're, we're taking incredible photos. Yeah. Um, so, it the there weren't many on the race itself, just because there weren't that many people there. Yeah. Um, who who weren't either organising it or running it. Um, but there were so many photos from around it, and um, I've I've put together a, an article for Runners World in the in the states, which is just a photo story of the whole thing. It's amazing. Um, so, I'd, I mean, from from this, I'd say if you're listening to this and you're you're interested by the adventure of either of them, I know Sierra Leone they're doing their next marathon in. Is it, are they back in back to April May now? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. They've just recently they've they've started a Facebook group. They've relaunched. Yeah, they're relaunching. They, yeah, yeah. They started a Facebook group, and I, you know. Uh, We've. Uh, I've personally been told that that hotel that I stayed in has substantially improved. <laughs> switching some lights on and making sure that you know you don't have to exchange clothing for for water would, would substantially improve it. But, but yeah, so it has. Yeah, this was this was uh, this was a few years ago now. Um, but also, I mean, you got you were put there because you you almost came on late, and so everywhere else is booked up and. I, I the, the, you know, everyone else had a really, everyone else had a great time. I think you were one of only two or three people in that hotel, and everyone else actually had nice. Lodgings. I actually wasn't. There were a couple of the other guys, weren't they? From uh, from Reuters were in there yeah, as well. It was all the yeah, journalists. It was all the yeah. journalists were in the worst hotel. Which <laughs> it's really yeah. funny because the organizer was. T- I was talking to uh, the the charity head. Um, when we were driving to, uh, and I was getting covered in this red mud, and he was telling me that when uh, when another well-known magazine covered the race, um, he was really disappointed um, that after publication, that the, there was no increase in interest whatsoever. So <laughs> I think he'd already made his mind up about the effectiveness of oh, being right. covered in running magazines. So that's really, he'll probably banish there as a, as a result. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, if if, if you're if you're interested at all, the the charity is so incredible, and actually the experience is amazing. So yeah, they've got a they've got a group, Sierra Leone Marathon Runners Group. So if you go and apply to join that, um, they'll add you in, and um, because they're looking to to sign people up for for the next race. So Sierra Leone Marathon Runners Group, uh, search for that on Facebook. And I and I um, I mean I, I raise all of my. All, all, the, all the money I now raise through uh, running, through the challenges, it's always going to be street child because if you're going to get involved with something um, for a worthy cause, when you find out actually what they do and you go and see it and to know you can raise some money and build a school. I <laughs> know. Yeah, that's the thing. It's one of those ones where, um, and this is partly to do with the fact that you know the, the, the marathon doesn't have a load of money pumped into it needlessly you know, to try and get you along to it because literally you you see where your money's being spent, you're raising your money and you're almost directly seeing it being yeah. put into action. It's like one of the, the you know, the they don't spend a huge amount on uh, administration or anything. It's a really flat structure. Yeah. And so yeah. pretty much all the money you raise goes straight into straight into uh, into those those causes and and it, and it shows. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. But um, and and if you're interested in the Afghanistan experience, uh, Untamed Borders go there. Who they're really great, actually. They're just very knowledgeable. Um, work with all the locals. I don't know what the plan is for next year. I, I'm pretty sure they'll put one on again, but um, I don't know how keen they are to bring a lot of internationals. But it's yeah, it's it's an amazing experience. And actually, going out to someone like Bamyan, I I don't know how long how many years that it's going to be possible to do that for um hopefully forever i mean fingers crossed afghanistan will um become stable and it will become a a tourist destination that will be fantastic but um if you can get out there i think it's definitely worth going along to and um sadly it might be the case that you're one of the few who can go before the country um breaks down a bit but uh, we, we've got we've got loads of feedback from previous episodes, previous stories. But I don't know if we, this has been such a long episode. I don't know if it, we can really go into it. No, no, we can't really. What I, what we should what we should do though is um, it'll be interesting to find because you know I'm constantly on the well actually let's put it the other way. You're constantly look at on the lookout for um, international challenges um, and international yeah. marathons of interest. And I'm not trying to do that because I know that someone's listening. And <laughs> I'm just interested in where you're going because I'd like to follow you. But they don't even have to be marathons, just anything that slightly re- involves running. Yeah, in, in weird places as well. I mean, that's, the, that's what really opens your mind. I mean, the things that you learn in, uh, from that Sierra Leone experience, from your Afghanistan experience, from those things, it's just, uh, you know, Changes changes your mindset, and so uh, so yeah, so unusual, interesting things. I'd like to do something on an island of some sort, don't you? Um, some, some island-related things, something tropical. Okay, I, I don't really see where you're going with this. But I'm not going anywhere anywhere with it. I'm just saying that's what what's wrong with that. What, what what appeals about being on an island? I mean, we're on an island. Well, it's not tropical, is it? It's not tropical. Um, so you want. You want to race on a tropical island? Yeah. Don't you like the idea would, of that? Would Lilt be the drink that is, <laughs> is given out of the... Well, it depends if it has a totally tropical taste. 
<laughs> that's a good accent. That's, that's well, it's, from, it's from Newcastle, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So send us in the challenge, any challenges you think um, that you've done or your friends of you've experienced you want to do. Or you've heard um, it dreadful so that I can do it. Yeah. Yeah, good or bad, actually. <laughs> and but But even... We always want challenges anyway. We've done some amazing events like the, the Red Bull 400 um, up a ski jump and races along those lines are just amazing to do abroad. Um, but we, we're going to be, we need you to tweet Richard Marks about his poker skills. Oh, yes, yeah. I tried to, I tried to tweet Richard Marks and uh, he ignored me. And that's not the first time that's happened with, with, a, with a celebrity. Uh, so we need to, yeah, we need you to get on Twitter. If you haven't got a Twitter account, set one up solely for this purpose. There's nothing, nothing better than an account set up. I, maybe you should set up a fake Richard Marks account to then tweet Richard Marks. Call yourself the real Richard Marks or something like that. Future Richard Marks. <laughs> future Richard Marks. Like, I'm, I'm tweeting you from the future. And but the thing is, he responded to me originally, so I think he's. If, if a lot of us start tweeting him about it, I think he'll, he'll respond. He'll have to. Yeah, I think so. I think it needs to be a concerted effort. So if everyone could, if everyone could just pile in and um, ask Richard Marks, just very specifically, Richard, who taught you to play poker? And then, and then put in hashtag bad boy running. Hashtag, but yeah, that's the key thing. Hashtag bad boy running. Yeah. So at least then it'll trigger his memory um, of, of those hours and hours of lessons we've had. <laughs> there's nothing like so, peer pressure and someone creating a history for themselves <laughs> is there <laughs> well he's at that age where he well, might he, he, he remember was. it as the truth <laughs> we're going to pick on people who are senile <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow. change history that's, that's very moral I like that <laughs> <laughs> well um I guess we should probably wrap it up there. It's been a pretty long one. Yes. Well, so, you know, this is the, let's consider this the, the one that's dedicated to ultra runners uh, and people who want to do long runs and listen to it as well. So they wanted a really long yeah. one, so you've got it. Or we might split this in two and get two bites of the cherry out of it. And de- depending on if, if Claire is, um, can escape work next week, we'll either be talking about ultra running next week um, or we'll be talking about... Um, Losing running Mojo with Claire Miller, the winner of Special Forces Ultimate Hell Week. Never heard of it. Never, no. It's no. dead to me. It <laughs> is, it is. It's um, lightweight production, I'd say. But, uh... <laughs> right, man. Anyway, pleasure as always, JD, and see you guys next week. See you next week, man. Bye.